How are you all doing? Wonderful. That's great to hear. Um, some of us didn't make it through the night, huh? I mean, my kids were like, are we doing something special? I'm like, yeah, you're going to bed. <laughs> That's what's happening. So, yeah, we weren't fun parents yesterday. Um, but, yeah, for those of you who did manage to see 12 o'clock, I hope it was worth it. No? <laughs> it was? Okay, good. Well, for those of you who had wonderful parties, and I'm still seeing you here, that's great. For those of you who are at home, no judgment, but hey, we miss you over here. And for those who are not well, and that was also partly one of the reasons why uh, I believe God had us work through that psalm, um, Psalm 3. Because there are, there are times where you feel like, I'm too tired to fight this right now. I just, I just want to curl up and sit underneath a rock somewhere. And it's, it's, a, it's a very real feeling. And, but God has truth to, to put into our inner being that can make your outer being do better. Sometimes there's, there's not feeling well, and then there's not feeling well. You know, where you're, you know how that feels. You know where you feel totally rotten. So for those of you who are feeling in a place where just physically, just worn out or emotionally, um, God has a word for you to encourage you, to stir you up. That God is on your side. And not only that, he's there to, to pick you up out of that place. That as your soul prospers, your body will also prosper. That's First John. Okay? I, um, so for base camp, for, I see quite a few faces who have never been at a base camp before. Okay, so I'm going to just quickly go over some of the things that I'm going to do. First part is I want to go over all the things that we have done in the past year and just talk a little bit about what God did with us in 2022. But I will do a quick recap from 2020 because our world entirely shifted as who we were as a church from 2020 onwards. Right. So there are some things that adjusted that not have to be a new paradigm altogether. So what happened since then, where we're at today. So I'm going to talk some numbers first. I'm going to just give you an overview. Because for many of you who have been a part of this church for a while, um, we don't do general body meetings because this isn't a congregational lecture. This is an elder-run church, which means there is a board that we appoint, and they oversee the finances and things. But for transparency as a 501c3, we need to make sure that we're presenting it to our patrons and you being the patrons of this organization, legally. But that is not the reason why we do it. We want to do it just because as the family of God, we want to be transparent as a family, right? So that's partly the reason. And also then to inspire you for the things that God is doing with our local church family, to say, this is what God is doing with us. We want you to see it, and we want you to get on board with it, okay? Um, then I will talk a little bit about what we studied and what we learned in 2022. One thing that I would ask you to just write down if you are a note taker, what is one of the ways of God that I have seen myself grow in this year? If there is something, because we taught a whole lot of things. This is just something I want you to just put down there while I'm talking. You're just going over some of the things that the Lord has been doing in your life this year. Um, and then you say, at the end of the service, I would like you to have something down there, okay? So to start things off, 
I'm just going to run you through some overall numbers that we have for our church. Um, Annabeth's going to help me with that. So I just want to give you an overall. This is like big picture numbers of our church. Okay? So we had set... Uh, could you actually put, give me the overall one first? Yeah. So this is a snapshot of 2022. Okay, this is just simple. I've distilled it down into just big numbers here. So we put a budget down for 196300 Okay, so that was based on projections that we would bring in about 200000 but that has shrunk a bit as the year went on. And we, we're going to end up somewhere in the 195000 range. So we're not actually too far off from where we were budgeting. Okay? But expenses-wise, whereas a church, we are not a church that spends just because the money is there. So we try as far as possible. If there are things that we don't need to be spending on, we just don't have to do that right now. If there is another need that comes up that we need to address from a ministry standpoint, we give attention to that. So from, a, from an expenses standpoint, I think we're going to end up, because the books, as you would understand, it ends on 31st of December. So I don't have like live numbers for you, but this is where it's roughly going to end up. Okay? Big shout out to Ruth in the back there who's doing most of our numbers for us. Thank you, Ruth. Um, Ruth is our financial secretary, and she does an amazing job. With just almost no hours, she pulls together a lot of stuff for us and really helps me a lot to keep track of things where, as we're going through the year. So if you, can, if you just look at where, what we budgeted and versus what we actually spent, we're way under budgeted expenses. So I would much rather keep it that way, where we're always living in the, rather than trying to go overboard just because there is a budget, to say if we can stay under it, we're going to do that. All right, the next one. So this is breaking down these things into all the different categories. So I've put it into five big buckets, okay? The first bucket being missions and giving. Now, this was something, if you look at what we had budgeted, we had budgeted about 27500 which is still a lot. Considering our church, we used to have a model, and now most churches have this kind of a model. It's, it's, it's common even for households, right? We call it a tithing model, where we say 10% of whatever we get, we're going to give to the Lord. Okay, So as an organization, as a church organization, the goal would have been 10% of whatever we brought in, we would give. So under last year's model, that would have been 195 is what we ended up with. So about 19,500 would go. But the Lord told us just before the pandemic, actually during the pandemic, we started where March started to roll around. And we saw the needs that were in the community, but more importantly, the things that God was doing through local people, not churches, not organizations that we were, just things that the Lord started to do. Small things like doing things with IRMC, doing things with um, Chevy Chase, doing things with local missions or helping people with clothes and food. And we had to be ready to respond rather than say, well, we already set the budget. For, and God started to awaken us to something about our giving model as a church had become something we try and warn people about in their general giving. 
If your tithe is, oh, I've given my tithe, and now I don't need to worry about church giving anymore. It's that kind of concept that can set into even church organization, where we say, oh, we already thought we already did our giving part. But God said, ask me. So we asked the Lord. We sought the Lord as elders, saying, Lord, tell us what we need to set aside to give. And the Lord gave us that figure. So we started setting aside that money, and then the Lord started to show us more money that we needed to put aside. So it ended up being about 18% of what we spent altogether in the year. If you jump all the way down, you will see that what we spent on other ministries exceeds what we spent on our ministries. Our ministries, we spent about 11300 which is about 7% of our budget. Okay? Um, staffing and payroll in most organizations is like a big chunk. Now we have a team of six people starting this week. So we are going to have... That is a, a sizable chunk, which will be in the 50 to 55% range. Now, admin and running this facility, just the lights, energy, all of that sort of stuff, and running the office, all that cost us 29385 So that's about 17% of our budget. So all of these numbers, if you just look at church operations in general, these numbers are pretty healthy in, in that sense. We're not exceeding on any one category um, if there's one place I would like to see a little bit more growth would be uh, in our church ministries budget of as God starts to, because in this year, uh, many of you gave us feedback and I'm starting to see some dots connecting. Uh, like for instance, in fostering and adoption, uh, there are certain things that God has laid on different ones' hearts and I've heard that from you in your responses. So I'm going to start looking for ways with the eldership to work out a way where we could get our church mobilized in fostering and adoption ministry. Like how do we as a church healthily form a ministry that serves this area well? Similarly, with women's ministries, men's ministry, all of these things, I'm starting to see the anticipation and the growth and the desire in people. That wasn't there for a couple of years I will blame COVID partly, but also there are other things that we can sometimes just let things fall. So when we see an inspiration and the Lord is starting to awaken people to things, that figure is going to go up. Okay? So I expect that in 2023, that number will go up. Now at the bottom, you will see, now that all of the top four are things that we will spend in a year. So that's money that's already gone out the door. Now, there is that bottom category, which is the new building fund, which I want to talk about later. Can I go to the next slide? But I want you to just see that in the context. So this is an additional allocation on top of our expenses. So if you look at our expenses as a whole pie, there's a slice that we put aside and say, we're going to put this towards us finding a new building. And this has been something that the Lord had laid on our hearts for the last, I would say, at least four years. It started to grow to a place where we were like, we're not a large church or neither do we want to be. But we, are, we have used every inch of this building space to the best that we could. While Celebrate Recovery and Celebrate, Celebrate Life was here, even the side rooms were used, closets were used, every space was used, and now Grace Kids is bursting at the seams 
in those rooms downstairs, okay? So it doesn't mean we're going to be growing to a church of 500. We're not, that's not our goal. Our model, just so you're aware, just in case anyone asks you, our goal is not to grow beyond about 250-odd people. By that point, we want to have at least 50 people in the church that could start another local church somewhere. That is a totally autonomous. That has nothing to do with Word of Grace Part 2. That's the heart that we have as an eldership, and that's the heart that we have as a church just in general to say we don't want our organization to become bigger, but we want to be ascending church. And we're already starting to become that slowly. But towards that, we need to set aside money if we're truly going to actually work, like do it, rather than just simply talk about it. So we have started setting aside money, and we have come to a place where we're now... We've started putting aside since 2020. That amount is now closer to like 64,000 that we've been able to put aside. And this past year, it was 15,000. We just said, like, take that money and put it away. You know, like how in your own budget you do that for Christmas money. You just say, I'm going to put this aside. That money doesn't exist. It's that kind of concept. This money doesn't exist. This 15,000 we're not going to try and use, but we're going to account for it in our expenses. So that way, we've started setting aside money. Now, can we go to the last one? This is what a snapshot of our total finances, okay? So now you will see, we have, so I've just put like words on the, on the left-hand side there so you understand what the purpose is. Our checking account, we usually try to keep a cash flow so that this is what it takes to run the church on a monthly basis, okay? which is with between thirteen to 15,000 odd. So that's kind of money we like to keep in the church to just run the church facility, run the staffing, run pay, all of those things goes through checking. And then we have a savings account, which is our buffer, where any extra money from offering or other things that is excess moves into that account. We have an account which is specifically for like capital projects, which is also going to be our slash emergency account for things that need to be big expenses that we did not forecast, did not budget for, but that money is there. So that's about 11250 Right at the bottom, we have, this is our banked money that has grown since about, I think when we, when we started looking at some of these things, we've had We've had our money in different ways of savings. It was sitting in savings accounts for a while until we started to say we need to start looking for better returns on, on that kind of money, especially since we wanted to start looking at a building. So one of the things that we have done is to put that kind of money in a CD, which gives us about 225 to 2.3%. Right now would have been a great time to get the CD, but hey, that... It's okay, but it, the great thing is this money is available to us. If the Lord presents us with an opportunity for us to put a like down payment on, on a place. But part of that will be going back to this whole building concept. If we are to get a new space, it's going to have to be in the million to 1.5 range, right? For that, we're going to need a sizable down payment, which that would just about get there. 
But we also then need to do an evaluation of this facility and see what we could get for this place, right? So this is just keeping you in the loop as to what the overall picture is. So our goal is for this forthcoming year, could you just go back to that overview, which was those categories won't shift much, okay? Like I said, I want our ministry's budget to grow a little bit more. So we're going to try and keep some other things down a bit. So we might reduce how we do our staffing, how we do uh, some of the other things that we handle on like service items and things. A lot of the expenses we had during 2020 to 2022 was ramping up our tech and other things because we had, we had a live stream, but it was a basic live stream. We had sound equipment that needed to be updated. We had all sorts of things like that, okay? So those are big expenses that kind of ate into 2020, 2021. So now what we're living in is more of a, how do we maintain what we have? We're not gonna sink money into this building. So that's another thing to think about. If there's big stuff that's gonna happen, you might see me with stucco and no, I'm kidding. But we're going to make sure we, ha we maintain this place really well, um, but we're not going to be doing big projects. Okay? So that's just an overview of where we're at financially. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Now, I wanna, and this is why I want to transition quickly, because I want to move out of the financial aspects of these things to the hard aspects. Because God was leading us in 2022... Into, and our theme for the year was the way of God. Not the ways of God, even though that's one of the things that it was mis misinterpreted as. God has a way of operating. That's just Him. You know, or when, you, when you say that to someone, it's like, oh, that's so Him. Or that's so you. That's just saying that you have a certain way. You don't know how to quantify it. You, you cook differently. You put kids to bed differently. All of those things are different ways, but that's entirely who you are. And the goal was centering on Jesus and the work of what God does in us rather than us trying to find out different snippets of what are things that I can do. It's about the person of God. It's the person of Jesus that I want to get into. What makes it so Him? that I need to understand. As a follower of Jesus, I need to understand His heart. So that was something that we wanted to start teasing open, was this whole idea of what a disciple really is. What a person who really walks with God. So we started with, this is the way. It, it, was, it, was just, it just happenstance that the Mandalorian came out at the same time. But, but this is the way comes from Isaiah chapter 30. Let's read that. And verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. I'm telling you, Mando didn't come up with that. It's, it's in Isaiah. So when you turn to the right or you turn to the left, you will have the voice of God saying, stop this. So if you're like left or right, what do I do? Do I take this job? Take this job. Do I marry this girl or don't I? Do I give this money? Do I not? All of those questions, you will have the Lord say, this is the way, walk in it. But for that to happen, there is a heart that needs to be connected to the one who's speaking. Correct? Yes. 
And that's where Psalm 139 comes in. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's anything that grieves you. If there is something in my way, if there's a grievous way, a something that about the way I operate that goes contrary to the way you operate. And then lead me in that way. Lead me in the way that is everlasting. I hope you see this verse slightly differently now. It's not just simply saying, Lord, help me figure out my junk and show me the, the way to live better. No, no, no. There is a way that I'm so used to living that is contrary to the way you live. Help me lay those things down so that my heart will be formed with yours. Because it's a heart thing. When my heart is with you, then everything else moves forward. As we proceeded with the year, we started to talk about the way of faith. How God, everything God does, he does by faith. Loving his ways. Donovan taught on that. We don't get to just do his way. We have to love his way. It's a heart thing. It comes back to this heart issue. Bob talked on transformation. Why transformation was the goal God was after. Not, not just stuff being done. The fact that we get to call God Father, that is the basis of how he operates. He doesn't operate as God in heaven, which he could. He is that. He is God most high. But the moment he looks at you, he says, call me this. He says, when you pray, say, our Father. And the Holy Spirit who has been given to us as a guarantee, he teaches us and he, from within, there is that cry, Daddy that cry. He says, I want you to have that. I don't want you to have, oh my God. Oh no. That is not the equation you operate with God. That is not the way. That is a way God operates in general, right? With all of creation. But with you, he says, you're a child of mine. So it's important that you see that context because how you operate as a believer could be in the context of, oh no. God might be mad at me. No. So that was a way that needed to be established in you that as a child of God, you have to operate as a child to a father, not as someone who's a servant who's trying to please a king. Okay. Um, Donovan carried on with this whole family affair, this concept of how we operate in a household. Around Easter, we talked about why God's purpose in all things is to make all things new. Why the new creation, why what God is doing in the new kingdom is the central theme around every, where everything kind of hinges on that. He's not trying to just affirm or remodify old stuff. He's in the business of creating Something new. Alan taught, and this was a very, I thought a very important juncture in the year when we dealt with the way of light and truth, where we had to work with how light and truth are the two sides of the same coin. Truth is not subjective. Truth is who Jesus is. The problem is, truisms, 
or things that are facts of life are, have grown to also be used as things called truth. But truth is a person. And the light that he brings, when he shines on a situation, what is there is exposed. And God's heart is, I want to expose who he, I am to you, but also who you are to you. And what your situations are to you. He wants to put the light of his presence on something, not to shame, not to condemn, but rather to say, here's what's happening, now come. Let's take this walk together in truth. So truth helps you walk in light. And that was a big shift. If you didn't see that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of those things. Because we dealt with light carriers, and then Bob talked about how when truth then hits your mouth, how the word of God must be in our mouth. Because speaking truth comes from hearing truth comes from receiving truth. Because there are parts of our church world, churchy world, where we're used to being people who speak lots of truth. It's the word. I'm going to speak the truth. If you've not received the truth, what you speak is just a clanging symbol. It's just lots of noise. Good stuff. Very true. Psalm 3 that we just read today. Good stuff. But if it's not received in the inner heart, what will happen is, what comes out is just religious talk. And God doesn't want us there. So that's where we shifted towards understanding the opportunity and the confrontations that God will put in our lives to show us what is actually happening. That the way that God wants us to move is understanding the spiritual dynamics at play. Not just living life with my job and my boss is a grouchy person and my wife is the problem or my kids, if only I didn't have this. Or Those are not your problems. Those are made to be like your problems. But you are dealing with a spiritual realm. And Alan taught us on the way of the Spirit of what it means to walk with the Holy Spirit, to understand His work in your life, but then moving forward to say, how do I respond to God with faith? Against things that are coming against my family. I took us through the end of the year. To, I started to really establish this understanding of why you need to operate in grace. Grace is not just you getting through the day. Grace is... The power of God through His Holy Spirit. So whenever you hear the word Holy Spirit, it's not stuff. It is the power of God that is given to you to walk in truth. That you cannot try and manufacture by yourself. Grace is the strength of God that's given to you to understand complex things. To be the mom when you're at the end of your rope. To be that awesome dad and husband when you just don't understand what, how women work or how, I don't know, I'm just, she always says there's something wrong. Okay, guess what? You have grace because you are a child of God. So if you receive grace, in that moment you suddenly find, God has raised me up for this moment and I will be an amazing husband. 
I will be. I'm not going to try to be. I will be. Why? Because I'm going to receive help. And then it's not about, you know how peace that makes no sense? Grace that makes no sense. Because there is a certain thing you will walk in which doesn't come from your intellect or your ability. God does it. And to finish the year, God really had, especially all of us who are teaching, to really focus in on the, the specific aspect of spiritual warfare. Because many of you were dealing with things that needed to be acknowledged as spiritual attack, first of all. Second of all, we couldn't just simply say, well, it's an attack. Well, what do I do? So we needed to talk about some keys about how do we navigate spiritual war or spiritual warfare without becoming spooky and like everything's a ghost and everything's a demon and everything's a... Like that, like where you get into this weird, like everything's out to get me kind of thing. No, you're living your life just like everyone else's, but you are not living your life the way everyone else is. It's the same statement, but there's, it's too, you need to understand it entirely differently. Yeah. Am I living the same bios life that everyone is living? Yes. But am I living the same pneuma life that everyone's living? No. I have the spirit of the living God living inside of me. That is a new spirit. So I'm not talking about my mortal body. I have the same. Guess what? I was whacked this past week with all kinds of things in my body. I'm like not feeling well, I'm feeling weak. That happens to all of us. But guess what? I get to stand in something that God has given me in my spirit and say, Lord, I thank you for strength. In my physical body, I'm feeling weak today. Do you understand? So it's not an, it's not a, oh, this doesn't exist. But it is an awareness of what is true within me. So I need to respond to things in the spirit first. And then my body can be helped with medication, with lots of sleep. Like Alan told me the other day, he was like, you know what you need to do? You need to sleep. I was like, thanks, Alan, for that uh, very... But I went home and I was like, my wife was like, she recorded me. She was like, I love you, but you cannot sleep next to me. I was snoring like a crazy person. So it's, it's these kinds of things where you don't realize God's solution for you, the grace for today, might not be something that's churchy. The way God operates, the, the important thing is, have I responded to the truth of God speaking His word to me, exposing what my condition is, and then being able to stand in what He has given me? So that's where we ended the year, standing firm in what He has given you. And Bob went through some really good, it was almost like a quick whistle-stop tour through tips, tips and tricks, I call it, like, but he called it t- tactics, Right? of how do you deal with spiritual warfare so you have like quick things that you can do to say, I can, I can bring myself to straight, like middle ground here. Worship is something that draws you to an awareness of God's presence. That's just one of them. He talked about using your time to sing to the Lord. You might not be a Grammy Award winning singer. That doesn't matter. Just sit there in that pocket saying, Lord, I'm going to turn on a worship. Bring myself to the awareness of who you are. 
pick songs that are focused on him, not singing about the water. You know, if you're drowning, the sea is blue and the hole in a boat and you got a pail. No, don't, don't put those songs on because there are, there are those worship songs too. Find songs that talk about the one who is in the boat, which is Jesus. Right? The more you find songs and the content around your worship world that is filled with the truth of who God is, you will start to find yourself drawn to a place where I know you can make a difference. Not I'm, I'm hoping you do something. I've been sick for the last five months. No, my, my, my confession doesn't come from a place of complaint then. It comes from a place of, Lord, I'm weak, but I know you can. I'm tired. I'm broken. Ah, But you are the one who makes things whole. You are the one who is the glory and the lifter of my head. Do you understand how these things stop becoming hokey, Christian, jargony stuff? Okay. So that was last year. So now I, I, kind of, I was not going to do all of it. But I thought, since I gave you the task of saying, what was the way of God that you grew in this past year? I thought I should talk about each one at least. So that I just now went through about 19 things, even though I didn't give you the points. But to finish off, I want to turn the focus to 2023 and what God's having us do in this coming year. We are seeing such a need for us as a church. We have those who have just recently come to know Jesus. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for many years. All of us have a need to be discipled in a way that we have never been before. If you lived through 2020 through 2022, you know that the way you see life is slightly different. If you're, if you're telling me my life is no different than it was in 2020 to now, I'll, I'll throw the flag on that. Okay? Because there is something about the way you perceive other people, the problems you face in life, the brevity of life. All of these things have sharply come into focus. And the way we deal with our money, the way we deal with our time, some of it is habits we've picked up which are not good. Some of them are habits which are really good, have made us more aware. Right? So both things have happened in these past two years. Some of us have lost simple disciplines. If I took people's phones and just did screen time searches on, on just your average phone, if I told you to stop right now and give me your phone, the average would be six and a half to seven hours. The average. Okay? So, that shows us that there are certain things that have drawn us into an excessive amount of personal insular time. And those of us who don't use phones, their amount of TV watching has gone up. The amount of spending money on food has gone up. These are things that came out of 2020 that we did not pay attention to. And I'm just alerting you to some of these things that the, regardless of whether you're a baby Christian, teenager Christian, or I've been doing this for years, kid, Christians. 
you all have the same symptoms. All of you have the same symptoms, myself included. So if that is the case, we need to get to a place of saying, Lord, you are calling me to be a follower. And I follow Jesus. So if that is, what is it about who you are that I am not jiving with, that I kind of think I can take it on my own terms? I'll, I'll get there when I get there. And there is a thing that God is calling us to pick up, which is the way of a disciple, and not just like how we have done it in previous years, which has to have a certain intent for this new land that we kept talking about, the journey that we're on, the, the way the journey, like this past year, our, our focus was on the journey continuing and endurance, right? Josh didn't like me for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Josh came to me at the start of 2022. He's like, seriously, you had to go and make it endurance? <laughs> it's like we just got done with the journey. <laughs> All right, okay. So 2023 is going to be called our focus. And again, our goal is never to be just catchy or, hey, we found something cool to be our theme for the year. Our goal is to say, what is the things that God wants us to pour into or put as foundations in so that we're building well for the next level? Okay? So in this base camp analogy, what are the things that we need to put in our backpack as we move on? And those are the things that we want to focus on. So for 2023, we're going to be focusing on something called the divine pursuit. What we need to do is get very, very singularly focused on the things of God, singularly focused on His presence, singularly focused on the love of God and the way the love of God operates in His church and other people. We need to get singularly focused about loving His word and living by His word alone. Because everybody has an opinion. Do you understand? When we're talking about divine pursuit, we're not talking about, yeah, it's always, I mean, if you're a Christian, it's a, no. We're talking about how there is so much Christian stuff, but nobody is focused on Jesus. How can you be at church this long and not have anything clear about who Jesus is? I'm going to say something. It's going to be sound controversial, but I promise you it's not. The church is meant to be a place that believers who follow after Jesus gather. They're built up and they meet with God. This is not a place for unbelievers. Unbelievers might come in. If you're someone who is new or you don't believe in Jesus, welcome. But I hope when you come here, you immediately like, these people are different. But if we all look like the same kind of stuff you get at Spaghetti Benders, what's the, I mean, I might as well just go there. There's music and there's food. <laughs> I can do all of it at the same time. Levity. Just go there. Why do we have the church be different? It's not to be us-them-ish. But there needs to be something so unique about the church of God that they're like, oh, these guys are like about something different. And if I'm a person visiting, I don't feel out of place, but rather I'm alerted to a difference. But if I'm alerted to much of the same thing, 
there's so much sameness. I just live around it. And I don't know if you're Christian. You're Christian. I don't know if you're Christian. You're Christian. I don't know. The fact that that is even a question in churches is shocking. And that is one of the things that we want to address. How do we be a church that is so loving to the world that is surrounding us? So inviting. Which is why I would always say to anyone, please, if you have a friend who is an unbeliever, please invite them home first. Have them for coffee first. Don't bring them to church first. (laughs) Because church is not for them first. American church has become for them first. And that is wrong. The place believers are meant to encounter the world is in the marketplace. It's in that place where I live life in front of you. You get to see me as a Christian. But if you see me as a Christian, F-bombing my way down to the next drink. Guess what? You're just like me. So when I suddenly come and see you do this hokey stuff in this church meeting, going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, and all of that stuff, they're like, what is this guy? Like, he, like the other day at Levity, he was pretty cool and like pretty down to earth, and now suddenly he's like this weird person. That's the problem with Christians. Christians are weird people because we live double lives. So how do we get Christians to be a people that when we get in here, into this gathered meeting, We're singularly focused on His presence. I'm not trying to make you feel good about my God. I'm not trying to make Jesus more palatable to you. His truth matters to me more than anything else. So guess what? If there's something that's really, really... Like if there's a subject that we're dealing with that's really not helpful for people who are unbelievers, I would not invite an unbeliever to the church meeting. And that's okay. The problem is, that's not become okay. That's become not okay, sorry. Right? We've become a group of people where everything has to be palatable to everybody. It just doesn't jive with a divine pursuit. You cannot follow God and do your own thing. So you're going to have to figure out at some point, if we as a church are focused on being a loving church to people outside... How do we become people who are in the outside well? Because what happens here, it's like med school. Everyone goes to the hospital? Does everyone go to med school? Okay, this is like med school. Not everyone goes to the training where the people go to be ministers out there. This is like training camp. The primary purpose of the church gathered is to train and to glorify God, not to reach unbelievers. Controversial much? Well, stick around. Because the church is the people who are not supposed to be in four walls, who are supposed to come to training, get built up, go, Make disciples and say, oh, you're a disciple? Great, come, I'll show you where you can get trained. The problem is we've said, no, we're not going to train anybody. Everybody just do what you're doing, and we hope we'll get there. We'll get there somehow. We, you, Jesus, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. All right, good. All right, you're part of the team. 
No, 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 no. This is why it's become hard for churches to move. This is why it's become hard for us to move with singular focus. It's because we're so busy trying to say, wait, if we say this, then that means that person will feel weird. It is weird. Because that's what it is to follow Jesus. And to, to say his body was sacrificed, his blood was shed. Oh, we're talking about weird stuff. I don't, guess what? If there isn't a revelation of the work of Christ, it is going to be weird to you. I am not going to sugarcoat that any which way. Am I going to purposely try and be weird? No. Do you, do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? Is it like we have got into a place, we have as churches put ourselves in a bind where we want to walk with God, but at the same time we want to not do it so it makes us stick out. You can't have it both ways. So get used to If you're going to stick with us in 2023, we're going to be doing things that make you stick out in the marketplace, not in the church meeting. Because there will be something about the way of God that says, no, I'm sorry, I, cannot, I will not talk like that. No, I'm sorry, I cannot take that money. No, I'm sorry, I have to leave that alone. Or yes, I will help you with this. Or no, I cannot help you with that. Like Suddenly the things that drive your motivations shift because of a divine pursuit. I'm so seeking after God and His kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything that you need, this passage is talking about, you need this, you need clothes. He says, your father in heaven knows that you need all these things. But seek what? Seek first, not second, not third, not one B. Seek first. So is your family more important than seeking the kingdom of God? But it's the same thing, Judah. It's, no, it's not. Which is why Jesus, I, I said this in my Christmas message, I kind of just left it alone. When Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace on the earth. The context for that passage, because you're like, Christmas is the peace on earth time, right? In another passage, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace on earth. I came to set daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, son against father. Like, what are you, Jesus, what are you talking about? Because he says it's going to cost. If you're going to follow, if you say, I have a pursuing of God where my life will be different. Guess what? That might mean I have to set certain ground rules for my kids. My kids are not going to like me for a season. Or they might not like you for a long time. But is it worth the cost? That, and this is the thing. Everything you're going to do in your life is going to cost you something. The issue is, are you willing to pay the cost? To watch Netflix for five hours straight in the night is going to cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? We do. I'm, I'm talking about stuff we already do. I'm not telling you anything that you don't do. Spending time at the bar, absolutely no problem, has a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? Spending your money on food has a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? Having friends that use bad language has a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? 
These are all things that, these are subtle things that where you say, you know what, no, I'm not going to participate. If you are someone who is not weird but worth being around, people will say, how can I be around you without doing the things that I do? I'm telling you, people will find a way. For the longest time, I was someone who had to be around music. I, my life would operate 23 hours of my day had music in it, even while I slept. To come into a world where no one did music, and then to have to get on with life and start raising a family and other things, it changed the way what... There was a cost. What God has called me to in this season of my life, am I willing to pay that cost? That was just a simple illustration to say, God might do something that is nothing spiritual sounding, but it's going to cost you. And it's all about saying, Lord, you have my heart. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. Can we do that together? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for every single one in this room and watching online. Lord, that you have our heart. Lord, so right now we take this moment to reaffirm and to say before you, Lord, you have my heart. Open my eyes to see the things that you are doing. Lord, that I might not hold back. Lord, that I will not contain the things that you have given me, but I would be liberal with it. That I would be lavish with, with my time, lavish with my words, lavish, Lord God, with my affection for the things of the kingdom. Lord, that I would understand that it's about here and now, not just for when I get to heaven. That you're calling me to things now. You're calling my family into things now. Help me, Lord, to respond to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.